Welcome to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on iTunes, and thank you for joining us. This week, in honor of the new year, Senior Minister Jeff Gaines starts a new sermon series entitled Resolutions. The focus of this sermon series will be on discovering the person that God has created you to be and making conscious decisions in the new year to follow after Him. Thank you for listening. We hope you learn and enjoy. Happy New Year. I am glad to see each and every one of you. Thank you so much for choosing to be here and start your year off with us. Uh, We are beginning a brand new sermon series today entitled Resolutions. And uh, this is January 1, 2017. And whether you like it or not, today marks the beginning of the rest of your life. How's that feel? Whether you like it or not, here it is. Uh, so for some of you, you're, uh, you're really optimistic about 2017, and some of you are just glad 2016 is over. Maybe you're praying this prayer I heard earlier this week. Dear God, my prayer for 2017 is to have a fat bank account and a thin body. Please don't mess it up like you did last year. For some, our um, resolution maybe is just to kind of get back into church, and if that's you and you're, you're just kind of getting back in the swing of things. I just want you to know you're welcome here just the way you are. Uh, this is a safe place to be who you are, mistakes and all, burdens and all, questions and all. Um, and just learn what it means to love and follow Jesus. As a church, we wholeheartedly welcome each and every one of you. Thank you for being here. Uh, the top five resolutions in any given year are these five resolutions. Uh, number one is to lose weight. That's generally the number one resolution. Save more, spend less. Get organized, learn something new, spend more time with family. How many of you have a resolution? Any resolution doesn't have to be one of those. Nobody. Okay, a few of you are willing to admit it. How many of you have already broken your resolution? Three hours in, you're done. There's always next year, right? I get it. Most of you are not resolution people. Uh, Statistics say that about 60% of Americans do not do resolutions at all. So there's only about 40% of you that would actually make a resolution, and only 8% of that actually follow through with their resolutions throughout the whole year. So I get it if you're one of those people that don't do resolutions. Why commit to something you don't care enough about to follow through with? You would like to look good in a swimsuit, but you would much rather eat another donut. I get it. I get it. Um, But the thing that concerns me, and I want to talk about this specifically today, Um, that that attitude of not caring enough to try, many times it spills over into our spiritual life. And as a result, we get complacent in our faith. And so we are no closer to Jesus today um, than we were this time last year. And today, what I want to try and convince you of is that there is no room for complacency in your faith if you're really following Jesus. The Bible compels us as Christians to care deeply about our personal spiritual growth. And if we are going to be Christians, what it means to be a Christian, the word Christian actually means little Christ. And so being a Christian isn't following a set of rules. I I, I know that's how a lot of us, we kind of grew up just believing that. Maybe you were taught that in some way, form or fashion. But Christianity is not about following a set of rules. It's about following a person named Jesus. And so we do life the way Jesus did life. We follow the example of the life that Jesus lived. And if we're going to be those kind of people, 
one of the things that we're going to learn today is that Jesus set personal spiritual goals. I'm going to show you that. What I'm hoping to accomplish today is to inspire all of you, every single one of you, no matter where you are in your life. Uh, if you've been a Christian for 100 years or if this is your first day following Jesus, uh, I want to inspire all of you to make a personal spiritual resolution for this year, to set a goal. And we're going to talk this month about what those goals should be, but I want to inspire you today to just start thinking about it. Uh, so as we step into this moment, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you for today and this opportunity uh, just to dive into your word, Lord, and I just pray that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart, Lord, that's receptive. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you will do what only you can do, renew us and restore us in every way. In Christ's name, amen. Every Christian should care about their personal spiritual growth. Uh, a resolution, a New Year's resolution is by, uh, translate, or by definition a transitional transformation. It's a transitional trans transformation. We are transitioning into a new year. We're leaving 2016 behind. We're stepping into 2017. And we use this new year as an opportunity to make some transformations. We make some changes in our life. Many of us are motivated to do that. And so we step away from that which is bad. Hopefully we're stepping into that which is good. We step away from the unhealthy stuff. We're stepping into more and more the healthy stuff. We step away from the bad spending habits. We step into maybe a budget or some better idea about how we're going to manage our finances. The Christian life in many ways is a transitional transformation. It's a transitional transformation. Let me illustrate. Jesus gives us a fresh start. Jesus gives us a fresh start. That's the transition. The Bible says it over and over and over again. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, it comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. For some of you, this is really good news because you look back at the last year and there are a whole lot of mistakes. Maybe you look back over the last 10 years and there's been a whole lot of mistakes. Maybe you've hurt some people. Maybe some people have hurt you. Maybe there's some things that you can't let go of. Maybe there's some things that you can't forgive yourself for. And so you come here today and you're carrying a lot of baggage, emotional, spiritual baggage. But Jesus gives us a fresh start. And so today you can, you can set down all of those things. You can leave all those things in your past and you can step forward in a new way today. Jesus gives you the opportunity for a blank slate. January 1, 2017 could mark the beginning of your new life in Jesus. And no matter how far away from him you have run, no matter what kind of mistakes that you've made, even in the last week, Jesus is willing to forgive those things. The Bible says that when God forgives us, he separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. God will completely forget all the mistakes, all the ways you've disrespected him, all the ways you've run from him. He'll completely forget all of those things. They'll be wiped away. You won't have to carry those burdens. You won't have to carry that baggage. You won't have to carry that shame or that guilt with you any longer. Jesus gives us a fresh start. That's the transition. Here's the transformation. When we really start walking with Jesus, he changes us. You know those people and they spend so much time together, they start to look like one another? You know people like that? Maybe they're like BFFs. I, got, I have a picture here to illustrate. They all look alike. Look at that. Isn't that weird? 
And I saw this picture, and then it, may, it, it also on the page, it, it brought up this picture. I just had to show it to you. Uh-huh. They've they're got the same diet. I don't know what it is, but they are eating the same things. The more you follow Jesus, the more you look like Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. When people look at you, if you're, if you're really following Jesus, they're going to see a reflection of Jesus in you. And the Spirit of the Lord works within us, and we become more and more like Him. More and more and more we are becoming like Jesus. We're being transformed into His image. The more you follow Jesus, the more you will look like Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 says it this way. You are living a brand new life. That's the transition. You've been given a new life that is continually learning more and more of what is right and trying constantly to be more and more like Christ who created this new life within you. That's the transformation. Christianity is about a transitional transformation. The theological term for that is progressive sanctification. Now I want to unpack this term because this is so important when it comes to our Christian walk. And I think that a lot of Christians are missing the boat when it comes to this. This is so important that we understand what this means. So let's unpack this thought for just a second. Progressive sanctification. Progressive in that it is a process that will take a lifetime. You will never arrive as a Christian. You will never get to a place where you're, you're perfect, you're good. You can just be there content and complacent. You will never get to that place. As long as we are on this side of heaven, we still have room to grow. There's a guy named Paul, and he saw a vision of Jesus. Paul went, he had this huge, uh, this, this was a transitional moment for Paul to have this experience, this face-to-face encounter with Jesus, and it transformed him. Paul went from being a Christian killer to the greatest Christian evangelist that ever lived. Uh, and he lost his sight in the process, and it took him a while. It was, a, pro, it was some, a progressive thing to get his sight back. And then he went, and he was mentored by Peter and James and John, Jesus' closest friends. He went on from that. He planted 20 churches all throughout the known world. He traveled the known world, planting churches everywhere he went. Those 20 churches went on to pl- plant thousands of churches. Paul wrote 30% of the New Testament. And so if you have memorized a Bible verse, chances are you've memorized some of Paul's words. Huge spiritual giant. Last week we talked about how uh, Jesus is the most influential person that's ever lived. Many people argue that Paul is the second most influential person that's ever lived. Enormous influence. A spiritual giant. Now let's pause here for just a second. As you think about Paul, is there anybody in here that has that kind of spiritual resume? I'm going to pause, let you think about it. Anybody in here on that level spiritually? Anybody anywhere close that they would be willing to say, okay, I'm getting there. No, we're, we're all well under where Paul reached. Is that right? I need some confirmation here. I know everybody stayed up too late. Head nods? Okay, Every, I see everybody's head nodding. We are far below the level Paul reached. Okay, that's important. When you hear Paul's words, as he describes his own faith, this is what Paul says about his faith. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. I do not claim that I've already succeeded or have already become perfect. I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. Now, this is what Paul's saying. There's two sides of this coin. I'm going to talk about both of them. 
Here's one thought. If Paul, who is a spiritual giant, planted 20 churches, wrote 30% of the New Testament, changed the world, maybe the second most influential person that ever lived, if Paul looks at his life and says, this is at the end of Paul's life, by the way. He's already accomplished all these great things. He, he will soon die after he writes these words. If Paul says of himself, I still have room to grow, is there room for any of us in this room to be complacent in our faith? If Paul, after accomplishing all these things, looks at his faith and still says, I still have so far to go, I still have so much room to grow in my faith, is there any person in this room that doesn't have room to grow? There's no room for complacency if you're following Jesus. Here's the other side of that coin, and I hope this is an encouragement to you. I feel like a lot of us, we beat ourselves up when it comes to our faith, and we expect perfection out of ourselves. And you know that's unrealistic. It is. This is, it's progressive. It's a process, and it's going to take a lifetime. It will. You will not be perfect on this side of heaven. And so we look at Paul, the spiritual giant, planted 20 churches, wrote 30% of the New Testament, second most influential person that's ever lived. He changed the world in Jesus' name. And Paul, even at the end of his life, he looks at himself and his faith, and he, says, he still says, I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes. I hope for some of you that's a comforting thought, that there are going to be days where you slip up. There are going to be days Will you fall back into some of those old habits? And understand, God gets that. God isn't expecting you to be perfect. This is what he's expecting. Progress. Progressive sanctification. Now, what's the word sanctification mean? That's a, that's a theological term. That word actually means a separation. And so we are stepping away from those things that are not of God, and more and more, we are stepping into those things that are of God. We are separating ourselves from those things that aren't of God, and we're connecting more and more to those things that are of God. Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 5, and this is a huge verse if we're serious about our faith. This is huge. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and following. When you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. Impure thoughts eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism, that is encouraging the activity of demons, hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant efforts to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticisms, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except for those in your own little group, and there will be wrong doctrine, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties, and all that sort of thing. Let me pause here for just a second. And this is me not trying to judge anybody in this room. This is me. I'm not trying to condemn anybody in this room. This is me in the most loving way I can say it. I need to say this. If your life is marked by any of the things we just listed, and you're not actively moving away from it, okay, let me, I want to illustrate this. If you're living here in this area, and you're just content doing all these things you know God doesn't approve of. You know these things are not of God. If you're just camped out here and you're not actively moving away from that which is not of God, 
it's a clear sign that you do not have a relationship with Jesus. I know that sounds harsh. That's what the Bible teaches us. You say, well, where do you get that, Jeff? The very next verse, Galatians 5, 21, is an important verse. It's what Paul says. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the point. When we transition into a new life with Jesus, and we say, I'm following Jesus now, a natural result is you will be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Galatians 5.22 talks about it. Very next verse. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, when we're really following Jesus, he will produce. Not he could, not he should, not maybe, not might. He will produce. This is a natural result of following Jesus. He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's the thing. The more I follow Jesus, the less I look like Jeff and the more I look like Jesus. That's Christianity. That's what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And I know that to be true because when, when Jeff has his way about things, it's usually selfishly motivated. When, when Jeff has his way about things, it's pretty sorry. If I'm left to my own devices, I don't naturally do good things. And so if I do something good, this is what I know. That's Jesus in me working out this good thing. I look less and less like Jeff. I'm looking more and more like Jesus. That is the Christian faith. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ have nailed their natural evil desires to the cross. They're being transformed, and they crucified them there. All that to say this. There's no room for complacency in your faith. There's none. There's always room to grow. I can always be more loving. Paul says there's no law against these things. And what he's saying is you can never have too much of it. I can always be more loving. I can always be more joyful. I can always have more peace. I can always be more and more and more like Jesus. I'll never get to that place. So there's always room to grow. And at the same time, there's no room for self-condemnation. What you need to understand is you're never going to be perfect. It's a process, and that's okay. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. Let me sum it up this way. Jesus loves you enough to accept you right where you are. And you know he knows that your deepest and darkest secrets, the things that you did this year that you, you pray nobody else ever finds out about, even some of those thoughts, you know, sometimes you have a thought and you're like, where in the world did that come from? That, that, where did that even? And it's just so evil. And God knows that. And he loves you enough to still invite you into a relationship with him, even right where you are. But he loves you too much to allow you to stay there. You see, living in this place this place that's filled with all these things that are not of God. This place leads to destruction. This place is not God's best place for you. God's best plan, God's best place is more and more and more in his arms. Closer and closer and closer to him. That's where you're going to experience your best life. Every Christian 
should care deeply about their personal spiritual growth. And I believe every Christian should set personal spiritual goals. Well, where do you get that? Okay. Jesus set personal spiritual goals. Let me, let me show you. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Matthew 18, 11. This is all throughout the Gospels, by the way. Jesus says this over and over. I'm just giving you three verses, but it's all throughout. The Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. John 3.17. We know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. John 3.17, very next verse. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to what? Save the world. This is Jesus' personal mission statement. This is his personal spiritual goal. Jesus came to save sinners. And Jesus knew the Old Testament. He knew what was required. You see, in order to save sinners, there needed to be a perfect sacrifice. Something had to be given that was worth the value of all the disrespect and disobedience that you and I have committed over the years. There was a penalty that needed to be paid, and only Jesus could pay it. And the place that that penalty needed to be paid, according to the Old Testament, and Jesus knew all these things, was Jerusalem. And so this is Jesus' personal mission statement. I have come to save sinners. I have to die in order to save them. I've got to take their place. I've got to take their penalty upon myself. And the place that I have to die is Jerusalem. Okay, so with that in mind, I want you to see this. Jesus set a personal goal. I came to save sinners. The place that I save sinners is in Jerusalem. The way I save sinners is to die on a cross. He stuck to his personal goal. Let me show you. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Up until this point in Luke, Jesus is teaching all these amazing things. He's establishing his followers, his base. He's performing miracles. And then we get to Luke chapter 9, verse 51, and Jesus' focus changes. Everything, Jesus sets his eyes on his overall mission. And I want to show you this. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely, don't miss this, he made a resolution. He set a personal goal. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. I have to die to save sinners. The place that I die is in Jerusalem. Okay, stick with me. I'm going to read a bunch of verses. They're all on the screen. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to where? Luke 13, 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Luke 13, 33. In any case, Jesus says, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Luke 17, 11. As Jesus continued on toward Luke 18, 31, Jesus took the 12 aside and told him, we're going up to and everything that is written by, by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Luke 19, 28. After telling this story, Jesus went on towards walking ahead of his disciples. Jesus set a personal goal. I have come to save sinners. The way I save sinners is I die on a cross to pay the penalty for their sins. Where does that have to take place in Jerusalem? He set his eyes on Jerusalem. Here's my question today. What is your spiritual purpose in life? That goal that you're so committed to 
that you're going to do it no matter what the cost. Jesus resolved himself to die in Jerusalem to save sinners. What are you resolved to do for the glory of God? What is your personal, spiritual goal? Now, as you think about that, this is what I'm going to guess about most of you. You don't have one. If you had to write a personal, spiritual mission statement, one sentence, this is why I'm here, you couldn't do it. Now, this is what we're going to do. This is really a two-hour sermon, but I'm not doing that to you, okay, on New Year's. Everybody's tired. So I broke this sermon up into four parts. So this is the part one of a four-part sermon. So this is what we're going to do with the rest of the sermon over this next month. We're going to talk about who does God want me to be? And I think this is important because this is what a lot of times we do, especially this time of year. We start thinking about all the things I need to do before we start thinking about, well, who does God want me to be? You see, Jesus decided who God wanted him to be, the Savior of the world, before Jesus started doing all these different things. Jesus had already established who he was going to be before he started doing what he needed to do. You see, there's a big difference between doing and being. And I think a lot of Christians, they get into this, this routine of just doing and doing and doing. Sunday morning, I set my alarm, I get up, I fix my hair, I put some deodorant on, I come to church. I, pay, I do my offering, I take communion, I sleep through the sermon, I go home. It's a routine. And then through the week, right, you, you know I'm supposed to be nice to people. I don't cut people off. I don't cuss at people. And so we've got all the do's down. But we still haven't figured out the bees. Who am I supposed to be? Doing and being are not the same thing. So this month we're going to focus on who does God want me to be? There was a king, and he was, he was walking through the forest. He was on a hunt. And he stumbled upon this huge tree. And the tree had all these arrows in it. And it was a target. Every one of these, there was a bunch of targets painted on this tree, and it had an arrow in each target, like bullseye, dozens of them. And the king said to his servants, he said, i got to figure out who this archer is. This is the best archer I've ever seen. I want to recruit him for my army. Right after that, this little boy, he steps out from behind the tree, and he says, I'm, I'm the archer. And the king was really suspicious. And he said, are you sure you didn't just take those arrows and, with your hand and just push them into the target right there in the bullseye. And the boy said, no, I shot from 100 paces, every one of them. And the king, he was just like, well, consider yourself in the king's service. I'm going to hire you. You're going to be my specialist. And out of curiosity, the king said, well, how did you get to be such a good archer? And the boy says, well, I started at the tree, and I take 100 paces out. I turn around, and I fire a bunch of arrows. And then I went with a brush, and I painted a circle around each one. Listen to me. God isn't satisfied with you having the appearance of hitting the mark. And too many of us, that's what we do. And we go through all the motions, but we're really not following Jesus. I think that God has something better for you in 2017. And we're going to spend this month talking about it. What does it look like 
to really be the person God has called me and created me to be. I want to leave you with this encouraging verse from Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Paul says this, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. For some of you, today needs to be a day of forgetfulness. 2016 was too hard. You made too many mistakes. There's too much baggage in your past. And let me tell you something. God is offering you a fresh start, a blank slate. And he's giving you permission, listen, to leave all that stuff behind. You made mistakes in 2016. God's saying, it's okay. I will forgive you of those things. You forgive yourself. Maybe today for some of you is a day of forgetfulness. I'm going to forget what is behind And I'm going to strain towards, I'm going to focus on, I'm going to bring all my attention, all of my energies, all of my efforts towards that goal, towards that thing that is ahead. This is what I believe for all of you. God has a great plan for your life. He's got a great plan for this next year. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm I'm not saying that your bills are always going to be paid. I'm not saying that you won't be in the hospital sometime this year. Who knows? But I do know this. Everything is better with God. Everything. So I strain towards what is said. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I believe God has an eternal purpose for you. It's more than just going through the motions. It's more than just doing. God wants you to be something great for his glory and in his name. I believe that. If you're here today and you just need some prayer, I'd love to pray with you. If you're here today and you've never committed your life to Jesus, you've thought about it, but you never have, today would be a great day to do it. If you're here and you just need to spend some time as we sing this song, just saying, Lord, I'm going to release some of these things I've been holding on to because it's weighing me down. This would be a great time to do it. Whatever it is the Lord's calling you to do, I promise you, if you'll just walk in that, it's going to lead you to your best life. Pray with me. Father, I want to thank you for your word and how your word transforms us every time, Lord, every time. You're bringing about good things in us, Lord, and you want the best for us. I pray that we receive your word well today, and Lord, I pray that you will just empower us to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. As you leave from here, go loving and following Jesus to the best of your ability, and when you do that, he will bless you. Thanks for being here. Love you guys.